The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. You are listening to Know the Score, presented by the CSPN. You can visit our website at knowthescore.cspn.us. You can follow us on Twitter at KTSPod. Keep the conversation going using the hashtag KTSPod. What's going on, folks? I am your host and lead moderator for this session. I am Tyler Ball. I've got two of our three illustrious co-hosts with me. First, we've got from the DMV area, the homie That's So Jesse. Hi, Jess. Hey, how are you doing? Doing okay. I'm heads kind of spinning from all this free agency stuff that we're going to talk about today. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the best times of the year, definitely. All right, and of course, our other co-hosts, you know, taking a break from seeing juice baseballs fly out the parks all over the country. We've got Tobias Wilborn. What's happening, man? Man, yo, what up, bro? Everything good? Yeah, man. Um, just you know, you 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 kind of seeing plenty of plenty of activity on the diamond, but uh, yeah, you know, we're I actually leading to that next week. What's what's happening yeah, you know, with you? Turning the burning, man. Just trying to make it happen, man. Let's just get the party started. Yeah, man. We go, we're going to get it started quickly, and uh, let's talk about the NBA free agency. Uh, of course, the we're cut. We're in the NBA moratorium, quote unquote, as uh, teams can uh, discuss and negotiate with players. Uh, all trades and agreements that we are going to announce on the show are in principle. They will officially go into effect on July the seventh. Uh, got it to an early start before the moratorium, where uh, Chris Paul opted in on his uh, contract for 2018. And told the told the LA Clippers that he wanted to sign with the Houston Rockets on a long term deal. So the Clippers uh, decided to trade him for uh, multiple players, including uh, Patrick Beverly uh, and uh, several others, and a pick to go along with it. And the other big trade uh, that happened after the moratorium will be the Indiana Pacers. Uh, trading Paul George to Oklahoma City for Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, a lot of other movements and re-signings. So I'm going to put it up to Jesse and Tobias. Um, what did you guys think of what you've heard so far? And, you know, what is, what's the biggest move of impact? Um, you know, we can start with Tobias. Well, I mean, I guess it would be Paul George going to the – Oklahoma City Thunder, um, not just because of him going to OKC, but I think his pairing Russell Westbrook would be great. I don't think it's enough for them to win a championship, but you know it makes them competitive. And but it also kept him away from going to Boston or going to Cleveland. And I really got to wonder what the Indiana Pacers deal was with making that move. Did you want him out of conference that badly? Either way, he's out west, and that makes the Western Conference just that much stronger. As I said on a TV hit I did yesterday, it appears that the Western Conference has, of the top, you know, 15 players based upon different lists, 14 of those guys are out West, and only one in LeBron is in the East. So it's very telling as to how the league will be and the power shift that is continuing to go, go on. Okay. Um, I'm, okay. So, um, time, yeah, the surprise with – Paul George going to OKC, that, and him getting traded away for Salt Teeth and some paper clips. Um, many GMs have said it's one of the best deals in history because they, I believe, did they save money by getting all the defensive bonus off the books? So that trade itself was just like, I, I mean, I don't, it was an interesting trade and, of course, makes the West stronger. Um, the 
Chris Paul trade to the Rockets was interesting because I guess there's so much turmoil going on within the Clippers organization um, and them also trading away Paul George for some paper clips and quote-unquote the breaking up of the LA Clippers. Um, so there are two free agency deals that were interesting. Um, the whole saga with Gordon Hayward at the time of recording, I guess he was talking to Boston. Um, there were signs up in Miami trying to move him in there. So those are just three things that, inter- that caught my eye this free agency. I think the, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Oladipo is guaranteed $21 million for the next four years. So, and he's making about three and a half to four more million than Paul George over that time. So, uh, so yeah, so next year they definitely uh, save money by acquiring Oladipo. And of course, Sabonis was on a rookie deal. So that was, that was interesting, but yes, Boston gets kind of left out in the cold and considering what they reportedly offered, I'm sure that Indiana probably did want uh, George staying within the Eastern Conference. Uh, Boston reportedly had two deals. Uh, it's come out that last February at the trade deadline, they wanted to have a pick swap uh, with the Pacers for George, which would have given Indiana the number one overall pick. Uh, Indiana said no to that. And then just before uh, George was traded, uh, Boston offered three first-round picks, an unprotected Jay Crowder and Avery Bradley and had uh, and Indiana denied that as well. So you can't blame uh, Danny Ainge for trying, even though he's going to get a lot, he's gotten a lot of ridicule for, you know, having all these assets and picks and, you know, not picking up anybody. So they're almost desperate right now to get uh, Gordon Hayward to come in. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, yeah, they don't get Gordon Hayward. I'm going to see, I'm just going to sit and watch Celtics Twitter because they are already, at the bits, so yeah, they are they are absolutely salty right now, um, and they look and it didn't help that Philadelphia actually is picking up assets as well without having to use their picks. They got JJ Reddick to they signed him to an enormous deal. He got twenty two million for next year, you know, a one year deal, which is which is wild. Um, they also signed Amir Johnson to a one year deal worth eleven million. So it looks like Philadelphia is actually sticking to, quote, unquote, the process. And Boston's done a better job at acquiring asset, ac- uh, assets, but they're not doing anything, it seems like. But we'll, we'll see. I mean, Boston is sitting with a, a top three Eastern Conference team. Uh, as, you look f- as we look forward into free agency, um, you had some guys re-signing big deals, you had Andre Iguodala yesterday agreeing to a uh, three-year, $48 million deal. Um, and Spring Park talked about how well he played the market, driving literally up his value from what Golden State initially offered, which was somewhere around uh, $25 million. Uh, you have uh, Tony Snell getting a big $44 million deal in Milwaukee. Uh, Kyle Lowry is still waiting, but he's, it's likely he's going to be in Minnesota, given that Minnesota acquired uh, Jimmy Butler over the weekend via trade, and they got rid of uh, not one, but both point guards. Uh, they sent Ricky Rubio to uh, to uh, Utah over the weekend. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how some of these teams feel new lineups. Tobias, uh, anything else you saw on the second tier of free agents? Well, I mean, it's interesting with the second tier because I'm still 
a lot of that stuff is still shaking out. I mean, look at, say, like a Tim Hardaway Jr. who hasn't signed yet, right? You can look at mm-hmm. some of these other guys who were signing for tens and twenties and millions of dollars. Man, it's just a lot of money going around. It shows the health and the strength of the league. But, you know, there's several pieces that haven't dropped. As of right now, you know, Gordon Hayward hasn't dropped yet, right? Like he's looking at Rudy Gay is another guy who KC is looking at him. Now you start talking about Rudy Gay going with Russell Westbrook and with um, a man from the Pacers. I mean, Paul George. Mm -hmm. Paul George, yeah, you start looking at that. I mean, I don't know if it's enough to beat the Warriors, but uh, it could be enough to make them the second-best team in the Western Conference, which is saying a lot. You know, what's Houston going to do? I mean, there's still a lot of moves to be made. And a lot of time, I mean, keep in mind, none of these deals are technically official until next week anyway. Uh, You look at uh, the full details of the of the rocket trade. They gave up Lou Williams, who was the sixth man of the year runner up. They gave up all defensive player in Patrick Beverly, Sam Decker, and their number one pick in in 2018, which could be a guy like an Alonzo Trier or Maryland's uh, Justin Jackson, somewhere in the mid the mid teens, just outside the lottery. Uh, so probably a contributor in some form, but. For, but it seemed like you could have gotten some more for Chris Paul, you know, more pieces or at least more picks. Um, but it goes to show you that when players, that when players announce that they're not going to be with that with their teams anymore, uh, it just tells you how much the GMs have to scramble. Speaking of general managers and other situations, uh, we're going to move to New York. Uh, the Nick situation has been the laughing stock of the NBA over the last 18 months. Um, it all came to a head last week when uh, James Dolan announced that team president Phil Jackson is going to be bought out of his contract, essentially fired, which Knicks fans have been clamoring for about the last really, really year. Um, it came to a head when Phil Jackson asked James Dolan to buy out Carmelo Anthony's contract thus letting him become a free agent. Uh, Dolan refused. And you can, you can talk about, you can talk about the uh, 98 wins in, th- in, in uh, three seasons for, with Phil Jackson, uh, you, the bad picks, the falling out with Carmelo publicly and the uh, new star, Christoph Porzingis, or even the inexplicable pick of Frank uh, Tilakina over Dennis Smith and, Malik Monk and also you can talk about why would you allow Phil to make the draft selection when you knew you were going to let him go just a week later so uh, panel just want to open this up to you guys just what do you think about the uh, Knicks situation I mean the game's the game right I mean you know it's just what it is I mean Knicks other than a brief run with Mike Woodson as a head coach where you started what have they been in the last you know, 15, 20, maybe even 25 years. I mean, it's been a long time since, you know, what was that, 98, right? Yeah, the, 98 finals, finals. yep. Yeah, the strike shortened season, and then before that it was 95, 96, the OJ year, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, other than that, I mean, what have they done since then? I mean, you literally have college who have never seen the Knicks really be consistently good. So, I mean – what else to expect other than this, right? 
Right. As one of these people who have never seen the Knicks be consistently good in my lifetime, um, but yet it's the best basketball NECA. I don't understand the pedestal they put themselves on, to be honest, but that's well, just my... Is it really the basketball NECA? No, I never really? said... I never, the last, no. I'm saying, I mean, like, who's the last good high school player to come out of New York? I'm not saying you said that. I'm saying, like, <laughs> who's the last good high school player to come out of New York? Ron Artest? I mean... Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, Kyrie Irving, and he's not even from the city. Man, he's from New Jersey, Jersey, bro. Jersey City. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Hell no. Nah. Nah, they try, they man, try to claim I'm just it. They try to claim nah, it. Nah, I mean, man, whatever, man. It, it, look, he didn't go to none of them. Um, what did uh, Marbury go to school and all those He didn't go to Lincoln. He didn't go to, Ar- he didn't go to any other archbishop schools. He didn't go to um, any of those faint right. Manhattan playgrounds. He ain't from, no, so he ain't he ain't from no New York, bro. I mean, look, man, like I said, I mean, look, for a long time, New York was what it was in basketball. And maybe it could be again. But, like I said, I mean, the Nets aren't any good. The Knicks aren't any good. I don't know when the Knicks are going to be good. You know, uh, they got. <laughs> to be honest, Brooklyn might be better than the, than the Nets right now. <laughs> Brooklyn actually might be better than the Knicks, which is a yeah, scary thing. I mean, but, you know, what's it, what's it really matter? But, I mean, I, I, I don't know, man. Like I said, I mean, you know, when the Knicks do something right, it'll be the first time to do something right in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of doing something right, they've got an opportunity to start if they take uh, uh, David Griffin, who is the former GM of the Cleveland Cavaliers, which, you know, his story is, is a saga in itself, where uh, where Dan Gilbert, the owner of the Cavs, did not allow him to interview for another job while not keeping him in the season. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 then you don't you don't agree to to extend his contract, which which actually is in in pattern because he's mm-hmm. never done that for previous GMs. But it's it's a it's it's a real shot. It's a disservice really to Griffin because he's had to deal with a heck of a lot with uh, with LeBron coming in and changing the whole aspect of what Cleveland was supposed to be about. Uh, then you know they're in the middle of a rebuild. And all of a sudden, here comes LeBron, and that changes everything, like like quickly. You know, trade your number one draft pick in uh, in Wiggins for Kevin Love, and then all of a sudden, your whole team dynamic changes. So now you go from a guy that that's just used to be building piece by piece and building around Kyrie Irving to you know now you got a superpower and you've got to make rapid fire decisions to have your team competitive for a championship. So even with all that being said, Griffin did do a tremendous job to not only get Cleveland the title, he to have them make it back uh, to the finals, you know. And and somehow, you know, you somehow he's gotten um, not only is their chemistry with LeBron with that particular team, LeBron somehow has managed to play better. And of course, that may be because he's got more rest, but still, um, it's still an accomplishment for Griffin. And for him to not have a job is crazy. I mean, even if he does go to New York. Well, I mean, you know. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, the whole thing with David Griffin, it, it all started with, you know, Gilbert, like you said, not allowing him to interview, which is very, which typically, you know, I said, permission really is more of a, mm-hmm. more of an informal request, right? Because you really, to kind of allow them to do so. But typically, it's always granted. The problem is Gilbert wanted control, and Gilbert has reverted back to being the same old Dan Gilbert. You, you know, you thought, he was going to change. You thought he was going to be better. But, I mean, he is the Lewis Litt of professional sports. If you guys watch Suits, you know what I mean by that. You know, he's very fueled mm-hmm. by emotion. And Gilbert going to be around him as happy as he was about the championship. 
he also felt he didn't get enough credit for it. Whereas David Griffin, a lot of people are like, oh, well, LeBron's the real GM. Or Tyron Lue, well, LeBron's the real coach. You know who didn't care about that? Tyron Lue and David Griffin. Why? Because, you know, those guys are confident and secure in themselves and who they are and what they are. Griffith, they, uh, David, Daniel Gil- excuse me, Gilbert, on the other hand, has never been confident and insecure in himself. He's always get the credit. It, it's like Jerry Jones, you know, with the Cowboys back in the day, right? Like with Jimmy Johnson, he felt Jimmy Johnson was getting all the credit. He let Jimmy Johnson go. And so here these guys, you know, have this 30-year friendship going back to the University of Arkansas. Friendship still isn't the same because as great as the Cowboys dynasty was, it could have been even greater if they would have kept that thing together. No offense to Barry Switzer, who didn't win a ring, but it wasn't the same culture once Jimmy Johnson left. And I think that's the same thing that here, Ben Griff, who LeBron likes. I mean, again, and also, too, you notice, right, like LeBron is not making on the behalf of the team. So it's already being set up. It's already being positioned. It's going to come after next year. Because let's be real, as of right now, to believe that the Cavaliers are going to beat the Golden State Warriors next year in the finals, based upon what we know today. Now, of course, we can wake up tomorrow and Kevin Durant slips on a banana peel and, you know, Steph Curry. ACL and yeah. I mean, because things, things can't happen. I mean, we don't know. But as of what we know today, there's no reason to believe that the finals outcome won't be pretty much the same as it was last year. I mean, what they, the Cavs had a Jose Calderon. Okay, who? who's a good backup point guard, but I don't know if he's as good as Matthew Deladova was last year. It's all caught around for the second half of the season in Atlanta. Look, he's a great dude, and I don't want to, you know, shit on him because he is a good dude, and I like him a lot, man. But, you know, he ain't good no more. I mean, let's just be honest. He, he ain't good no more. Uh, Kyle Korver, they still have, who at one point is one of the best three-point shooters of all time, but I don't think he has it anymore. I mean, the guy's, what, 36, 37? You know, he works out like a fiend, but, I mean, you get to the point where do it the same. So, Cavs still have J.R. Smith. They got to figure out how good he really is. You still got Tristan Thompson. I mean, Cavs are, as of right now, they're still good enough to win in the East, which is totally depleted. They're good enough to win in the East, but the finals outcome will be the same, and that'll be LeBron's opt-out year. Surprise if he's gone. I I never would have thought this before, but based upon what I've seen that now, who knows? Two months from now, a month from now, you know what? Him and Chauncey Billups, they sit down, they work something out. Um, Wait, you think Chauncey Billups is taking the job? Well, I mean, I would, uh, I would hope so, right? I mean, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I would hope so. Well, well, he's he's kind of waffled back and forth over the. Well, over yeah, the because I mean, the job, the job is not as attractive as it once was because people see how he did Griff, you know, and that matters because Griff is a very well respected guy, and in fact, there's a lot of teams that low-key are kind of pissed because they're like, well, dude, if you're going to let that man go, you should let that man go because now we had to hire, and he was the number one guy on our board. The Orlando Magic, he was the number one guy. The Atlanta Hawks were the number one guy. So, I mean, and then, of course, it leaves Griffin out of job, and that's what that's what Dan Gilbert wants because that's the kind of guy he is. And once again, Dan Gilbert has revealed himself to be who and what he is. You know, we thought that maybe he was going to be better, but uh, he's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the thing is, when you have the balance of power right now as a shifted, don't you think that the attraction of the job in Cleveland would be for someone who, you know, who wouldn't have to deal with a, with a difficult Eastern Conference? I mean, think about it. The Indiana Pacers, uh, you know, they actually gave 
Boston. You, I mean, not Boston, but they really gave the Cavaliers kind of the the better games out of the playoff run this year. So it's not like you're taking over a you know a terrible team and a terrible conference. I mean, you you do have LeBron, but you do want to have your power. You want to be empowered to make your own decisions. Uh, you look at what happened in Milwaukee, where you know you got a similar situation where they where a uh, GM was promised a job and then got usurped uh, by the uh, part ownership. So, you know, I think that I think that the general management position is important. I just don't think that I think that's oh, well, okay, I put it like this way. I don't think that some owners truly respect the position. I mean, Gilbert was one of the lowest paid in his position. So that and that's been, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the tradition at in Cleveland that, you know, um, I mean, Griffin and Gilbert doesn't pay his GMs either. So it just depends on, I guess, how how that position is being looked at. Uh, Jesse, any um, any other uh, players or any other signings that you may be interested in? Uh, you know, I know you're in the middle of Wizards territory. And other than Otto Porter, it didn't mm-hmm. look like any, any uh, Wizards were going to make any moves. No, they're not because they're so tied up on the cap that there's – no room to do so. I mean, you had the whole thing. John Wall wants to bring in Paul Jordan. I'm like, yeah, that's hilarious. That's funny. It's not happening. Um, I'm just with what's going on in Minnesota um, after Jimmy Butler was picked up, and wait, Jeff T going to Minnesota? I feel like I heard. That. It's either going to be Teague or or Kyle Lowry. It's, it's, it's yeah, but seeing um, how they are developing, Tibbs might have an interesting team. It looks like Tips will have a very interesting team to work with there next year. Um, but yeah, the like I said, the East is so lopsided that you might just see a sub-500 team. I mean, it's, it's entirely possible to see a sub-500 team to um, get maybe like, you know, a not terrible seed in the East in the playoffs next year. So Maybe as bad as the Bobcats? Maybe? maybe the playoffs with 37 wins? I know anything is possible in the East now because it's like LeBron and everyone else scrapping up for a second again. So it's just, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to be the one who's like parody, ah, but man, this doesn't look too good for the East. It's bad. And, and see, that's the thing. And that's why the whole competitive balance thing is kind of, uh, I think it's kind of overrated to me because you, you want to have parody, but you want to have good basketball. And well, I mean, but there's no such thing as parity in the NBA. Exactly. It is not a parity league. It ever has mm-hmm. been and will be. Right, it's a players league, and not even it, okay. College basketball may have parity, and that's mostly because of the coaches over coaching. But in the NBA, it's about the players, man. Whoever has the best players is gonna win. It's always been that way. It always will be that way. Hopefully, if they don't mess it up. And here's the other part too, right? <laughs> Try to institute some level of parity, but this. Well, maybe some of these players aren't as greedy as you think they are. Because, look, Kevin Durant's taking a little bit less money to keep some of those guys around. You know what I'm saying? And look at what Andre Iguodala got. Taking, yeah. I mean, you know, maybe five years ago, he doesn't get that same contract. So it's a player-controlled league because as much as the NBA wants to, they can't stop players from calling and recruiting each other because it's not really considered tampering. There's nothing There's nothing they can do to stop Grant. <laughs> in the parking lot right after finals. There's nothing they can do to stop that. There's nothing they can do to stop Kevin Durant from taking less money. And unlike the NFL PA, the NBA PA is perfectly fine with their players taking less money. 
Why? Because it doesn't matter because the best players, i.e. Steph Curry, is going to get a five-year, $200 million contract. And really, you can argue that he's still underpaid. Oh, yeah. Because if it were a true free market where there were no caps, there were no luxury taxes or repeater taxes, stop, say, the Milwaukee Bucks from offering him $40 million a year. If there were a true open market, that's what Steph Curry could get. Because they would say, man, we want you so bad, we will pay whatever, whatever. Just come play for our team. So, you know, but then you get assholes, you know, writing articles about you know, how you can pay teachers with athlete salaries, whatever. But, oh, God, you know, yeah. oh, I got, oh, yeah. That, but all that, wow. but seriously, though, but, but all that being said, man, you know, the, system, the NBA tried to put in systems, but, you know, teams have shown willingness to pay the luxury tax and the repeater tax. You know, I was reading somewhere where they would have to spend nearly a billion dollars to keep this thing together for the next three to four years. Now, the question is, will and that's still not including salary. That's in this all the that's just within all these luxury taxes and repeater taxes and so on and so forth. So we'll see how creative they can get to keep it together. But bottom line is I don't have a problem with it. Players are going to play where they can play. Get your money. Get paid. Play where you want to play. And, you know, be happy. And then you got to add to that it, that point with Golden State. Not only are they spending a billion dollars, they're moving into a new facility. So that's going to be – that's, you know, kind of cost-driven too. Yeah, I, I don't know how much their damn tickets are going to be because it's already in oh. – which is one of the top three most expensive cities in the world. You know, it's a very expensive place. There right, ain't going to be a new arena. They ain't got to play all those players. Man, and Jake Wick is going to be – And Lake of his cats have tech money, so it's not, it's not stopping anytime right. soon. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, but I, I just wonder what a ticket co- – a ticket is going to cost. Oh, it's going to be dumb expensive. We all know that. It's going to be dumb. I just – I would just love to see how much <laughs> those tickets cost. I mean, I, I can't afford them, so, you know, shout, shout out to sport dudes to give me a credential so I can actually go to a game, <laughs> but otherwise – And speaking of that, I don't know where the hell they're going to sit the media, but that's a whole other conversation that nobody else cares about but me, but – yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be crazy, man. But you know that's the way it is. That's the world we live in, and you know. On a side note, uh, I get I guess that's why it was important for the Warriors to get their championships now because San Francisco's not going to claim the Warriors, not like they used to, because it's going to be one of those events. It's it's going to be an event in San Francisco, not necessarily like in the Bay in uh, Oakland where. The team is theirs. I don't. I think there's going to be a disconnect because who can afford to go to the games now? That, I mean, you uh, already have like you already have a disconnect with the city. They're trying to you know put on the on the front of the jersey the city. I'm like, mm, I see what you're trying to do with their branding, but you you want to identify with with Oakland, but you want the tech money in San Francisco. So you kind of kind of stuck in between, and I don't know how those those fans are going to feel when they find out that they can't get into uh they can't get into Warriors games anymore despite the fact that the team is really good. So it's gonna be one to see how the how the Warriors adjust to the price of fame and the price of actually being relevant and not only relevant but good. Uh as you look into the Western Conference now, which is even crazier than what it was last season, uh you can talk with Minnes now you add Minnesota you change the dynamic with Houston. You feel like the Clippers are going to drop off a bit, even with resigning Blake Griffin. Uh, Utah, uh, Utah. If Utah loses Gordon Hayward and they were the fifth seed, 
last season, that might be a drop off too. So things are changing. And even though it's, uh, it, are you going to be more interested in the NBA this, uh, this upcoming season than you were last year? And that's just, uh, I mean, I'm always interested in the NBA. Yeah, as long as good I mean, basketball is being played, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, hey, man, look, I have shit, man. NBA is my favorite sport, man. No, I'm just, <laughs> but no, but for real, y'all don't get that. That's okay. But, um, yeah, man, shit, I love the NBA, man. Why not? I mean, it's a, you know, I, I found the regular season to be compelling. I, I think it's real easy to go on these bandwagons of, oh, well, you know, it wasn't compelling because, you know, we already knew who to – but guess what? We've always pretty much known who the final teams were going to be. In the 80s, nobody said it wasn't compelling because we knew that it's going to be the Lakers and the Celtics, right? We just, you know, all, it was all hype watching this day of 30 for 30 about Lakers and Celtics, but now all of a sudden we're too good, right? Yeah, and you know, they tried to sneak in that little narrative that, well, you did have the Rockets and, and the Pistons. Okay, and, and those are, yeah, and the Lakers went eight times in 10 years, right? Or was it nine of 11? Magic went nine Something of 12. Something really absurd Magic like went that. nine of 12 to the Western Yeah, okay, finals. nine of 12. Okay, all right, cool. You had the Rockets who got up in there, and that was off the sheer, and that was like when Ralph Sampson, before his injuries got to a shot to rap, real OG, you know, but he could have been even more. If he could have stayed healthy. And of course, you know, a young Hakeem Olajuwon, who was one of the, you know, we talk about Hakeem, but we don't really talk about how great Hakeem was. Always remember, if nothing else tells you how great Hakeem was, you know, we always talk about, you know, how the Portland Trailblazers made a mistake of drafting Sam Bowie before Michael Jordan. But nobody, nobody ever calls it a mistake for the Houston Rockets to draft Hakeem Olajuwon before Michael Jordan. Always remember that. And I'm not saying Hakeem is better than Michael Jordan. But I am saying that Hakeem Olajuwon is damn, and that's why they were able to get up in there. But as soon as Ralph Sampson fell back off, it took Hakeem a long time to get back. I'm not saying those Western Conference teams weren't good, but Magic and Kareem and Worthy and all those guys still dominant. Why? Because they had the best players. It doesn't matter what era it's been. The only era where there was parity was the fucking 70s, and nobody watched the NBA in the 70s because everybody was on cocaine. I mean, like, the, the NBA in the 50s and 60s was dominated by the Celtics. The St. Louis Hawks got up in there twice, you know I'm saying, and one shout out to that. But other than that, on his run, nobody beat him. When the Celtics came back recalibrating the 60s, oh, like I said, the 70s, that was the era in which, you know, all right, you had to see how the Supersonics got one. You had the Portland Trailblazers get their one. The Golden State Warriors got their one. I mean, so, you know, those franchises, the Supersonics don't even exist anymore. The Trailblazers that had a little run in the 90s. And Golden State is just now, after 30 years, we had a laughing stock franchise of me and back. So I say all this to say, man, the NBA has historically been a certain way. It has the fewest champions of any league. It, you know, see, the problem is y'all, not y'all too, but, you know, y'all, these idiots be, like, trying to make everything the NFL, where everything, like, this equal parity league, people who hate participation trophies. So you want everybody to have a chance, but you hate participation trophies. Which one is it? The bottom line is, Things are what they are. The best teams are going to win because they got the best players. And that's what it should be because the NBA is a players league. And if you ought to really be real, the real reason why people hate it being a players league because it's these young black dudes out here getting money. Exactly. And, and to be honest, I saw a like, disastrous tweet uh, just that just leaked on the timeline that said that J.J. Reddit is getting more money than Le'Veon Bell. I'm like, okay. So what? They play in a different league, man. Exactly. Hey, on Bell should have got a jump shot. I mean, look, I love the NFL. Don't get me wrong. But this shit, they, that ain't, hey. It's, 
fault, but shit. No. Baseball players get more than any of them. Exactly. So, I mean, what's that tell you? you once you make game the show, game, you are guaranteed to be one of the highest paid professional athletes in America. Easily. And, and you know, and to be honest with you, that spreads too. The, the hate spreads. Because right now, um, you look at whoever, you look at which young athletes are the most marketable in the world besides soccer players, it's basketball players. Man, you know, you got go your boxers, and, but you got basketball players. And that's because the NBA, David Stern took the league global. And then when he allowed professional, when he allowed NBA players to play, when uh, NBA players were allowed to play in the Olympics, that expanded the scope of the NBA globally. And now those guys are getting, are reaping the benefits. So as we look towards, um, there were some other some other interesting notes in uh, sports besides all the free agency, uh, but I'm going to let you know before I'm talk about. Um, was there anything else that you saw? I know that Nabias has been out with uh, covering baseball. Um, before we lead into our show next week, which will talk, which will be a baseball themed show. Uh, Nabias, is there anything of interest that you uh, know as baseball approaches the All Star break? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see what the Nationals are going to do as far, about their bullpen. I think they have a World Series caliber team other than their bullpen, which may keep them out of making the first round of playoffs. Um, the Colorado Rockies have come back to earth a little bit. Are the Dodgers ready to take that thing over? And what's going on with the Cubs? I mean, they're still teetering and tottering around 500. You know, they have a lot of guys who aren't playing that well, but that was been a half season. So we'll see. And then, you know, in the American League, the Yankees, they're really rolling. Is it still real? How good is Aaron Judge? I mean, the guy's been on fire, but he's still young. So at what point do pitchers adjust to him, or is he just that dude? Uh, I add to that the rise of the Arizona Diamondbacks from literally off the scrap heap. Uh, you have Paul Goldschmidt uh, dangerously become one of the top hitters, quietly becoming one of the top hitters in baseball. Um you got they've boosted their pitching, and right now they're they're at a seriously, um, literally one of the best. They're at their best uh, season record up to this point in team history. Um, they've been they've been hitting the crap out of the baseball, so I'm looking to see what uh, how the second half goes for them. Yeah, I, actually, I was just out there with a couple mm-hmm. games. Um, you know, they have a good fun team to watch. Paul Goldschmidt before. Freddie Freeman went out, you would argue which one of those was the guys' best first baseman in baseball. And I think Oshman right now has kind of taken that mantle, particularly with Freddie moving to third, which is a whole other conversation. Um, that's a good club. That at NL West, like I said, I mean, the Rockies had, had started out pretty well, pitching pretty good. Um, and, of course, the Dodgers have come on late. That NL West could easily send three teams to the playoffs. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, it, I mean, the NL East is not great. I mean, they're kind of trying to get their stuff together. I think they're a year or two away. Or the Mets have been injured, and the Marlins, well, they're just the Marlins. And the NL Central, you look at the Cubs, still haven't gotten it together. The Pittsburgh Pirates, I think they're going to be sellers. The St. Louis Cardinals have been rather disappointing. So yeah, I mean, it's the NL West right now, man. That's that's where the best baseball in the National League is being played. So now we again coming back to all that. Cardinals, I mean, excuse me, <laughs> the Cardinals. The, uh, the Diamondbacks are legit, and like I said, that's a fun little ballpark, and they they got some good vibes going right now. Desi, any um, 
any other uh, stories in sports you, you've seen or have taken any interest in? So last night was that fight with, you know, Pacquiao versus Horn. Mm-hmm. Maybe I understand the rules of boxing, right? But I always understood boxing to be who can get the cleanest licks on someone else. Now, I stayed up for that fight just because my insomnia was acting up. So I saw it. I saw Manny Pacquiao. Well, what, I, what I saw from someone who doesn't understand boxing was, you know, Pacquiao landing the most hits on Horn. To the point that in the ninth round, the ref was like, I'm going to stop this in a second because you're getting your ass kicked. And if you can go out again, sure, but I'll stop this if you don't show me something. And the guy's like, sure, I'll go out for a few more rounds. And then to find out, the guy wins the match. What? Maybe I don't understand boxing. I don't understand scoring. But to my knowledge, whatever. I, I, I didn't, you know, I thought it was boxing was the winner is one who gets the cleanest hits, not going out and showing tenacity and fighting spirit. But that's just me. Okay, my perspective on a particular sporting event would be uh, I've, I've kind of taken a major interest in hockey again. Um, I've, I kind of followed the Nashville Predators as they made their run as the lowest seed in the NHL playoffs. Uh, they made it all the way to the Stanley Cup where they took on the power of the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. And um, although the Predators lost, they actually became the story as the crowds were animated. They were exciting. They, um, they brought out all the country music. Uh, live performances were, were awesome. Uh, fans throwing catfish on the ice. Uh, it just brings a new element to the NHL. brings a little bit of, of Southern flavor that it hasn't seen in a while. And I kind of, I think that they're going to be a team to to be reckoned with. Uh, I think that uh, they have their their leader in PK Subban, which they picked up in a mid a controversial midseason trade. Uh, not only that, he he automatically becomes interesting because he is a a black hockey player who's a star. Uh, I think that Nashville is going to Nashville is an interesting sports town, and they really get behind their teams. They've been fortunate to have the success. Of the early success of the Tennessee Titans after they moved in from Houston. Um, now, this looks like another team that's going to be pretty good. Uh, I would like to see, you know, more of, well, with expansion this year, you have the Las Vegas Golden Knights, and they kind of uh, took took a little pieces away from everybody, as the NHL does in expansion. But I'm interested to see what's next for the Nashville Predators as they uh, as they look to improve, and we'll see. I'm pretty sure we'll see more of PK Subban. Um, the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, of course, Sidney Crosby etches his name, of course, on, on the pantheon of, of obviously one of the greatest hockey players ever. Uh, he wins another cup. He actually led the Penguins, like a injury riddled Pittsburgh Penguins squad, to uh, the, the first back to back Stanley Cup championship. In the salary cap era, which is obviously impressive, anything anytime you can win back to back titles in a cap restricted era is is pretty big because there's a lot of player movement that goes on. But Pittsburgh's core pieces are young; um, they look like they're going to be a threat again, even though they lost one of their goaltenders in Mark Andre Fleury to the Golden Knights. Um, they still have Matt Murray, and they're still pretty much deadly on all lines. So maybe uh, they could do it again. And, of course, knocking off the Capitals along the way. 
which is what they always seem to do. Uh, we reached the point where we had our final thoughts here at Know the Score. Just a reminder, you can catch us on the KTS, uh, KTS hashtag or the KTS uh, app on Twitter. Um, any final thoughts this week as we head for the quote-unquote dog days of summer as we're about uh, about 80 days out from NFL training camps? Uh, we can start with Jesse. Mm, yeah, not much is going on, so I'm just going to wait out till August perhaps. I don't know. We'll see what happens in training camp or if anything, you know, barring a major in- injury in NFL training camp. We'll see what happens. Okay, Tobias, any, any final thoughts before we sign off? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, man, we're talking about that, that horn, you know, decision, which was one of the more bizarre that I've seen. I mean, thing. it's crazy because it was a free fight. Well, I guess you could consider having to have cable free, which is... That's ludicrous, oh. yeah. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation. But, you know, if you... But for second conversation, if you already have cable or the watch ESPN app or whatever, you know, it's... You don't have to pay any extra money, I guess. So, fine. It, it's free or whatever. Or, as I say, complimentary. That being said, I mean, it, it was a it was a actual good fight, but it's also one that Manny Pacquiao dominated. And I, th- I think the scorecard I understood at least was the one that was 117-111 when, you know, there was a round it should have been a two-point round to Manny. And at 15% of his punches and his um, – his, I'm just still astonished it happened. I mean, uh, and I'm just amazed at what's what happens in boxing at times with the scoring and, you know, it's a shame because it was a great fight and it ended up being marred by the decision. Now, hey, maybe they both get maybe they get a rematch. Maybe they both make some money and we'll see. But it just looks really bad for the sport. Man. Just looks really bad. Especially when you have two other major fights that are coming around with um, Alvarez and Triple G. And, of course, the exhibition. It's also what. But that's also what boxing does, mm-hmm. right? And that's how they keep that's how they keep us coming back. Because yeah, like that sucked. And you're gonna be pissed. And everybody's gonna tweet, oh, I'm done with boxing. But you know what? When that Floyd fight come on, you're gonna be watching, even though we shouldn't watch that bullshit either. But that's a whole I don't even want to go there today. Right. And that's Triple G Canelo, we should be Triple G Canelo, we should be watching. I wish that Floyd and McGregor, if boxing had any level, any level of respect for itself. That fight would not even be allowed to be booked. To be honest, I blame the it's I blame a, the Nevada Commission for this. Well, not really just the do. Nevada Commission because they're getting paid. I mean, it's just the whole thing. It's it's all the promoters, just everyone involved with this. It is a total and complete utter shame. It's really the money, so I guess that makes it okay for them. But it's really an insult to Floyd McGregor, Floyd Mayweather, because I mean, here's this guy. He's never fought in a strict boxing match. From what from what we know, he's never even fought in a boxing match. Because if he can box, he'd be boxing. Because if you watch that whole that whole card with um, the Pacquiao Horn card, there was a guy, Mick Cowan, an you know, Irish kid, 21 years old, two-time Olympian. That's what Conor McGregor would have been. He is an instant marketing dream. He is a classic great white hope Irish boy with the accent. Are you going to tell me that that wouldn't have been Conor McGregor? Because if he could box, he'd be boxing. He'd be doing that UFC bullshit. He'd be making real money. So he can't box. And he's, and he's in a boxing match against one of the greatest boxers of all time. Because if, if he was really trying to be real, then what he would be doing is, like, working his way up and boxing boxers. But he's going to go box Floyd Mayweather, and he's going to get embarrassed. And it's, it should not even be allowed. It's going and to be a murder, man. You know, and you know good and well in the build-up to that fight, 
McGregor's gonna call that man a nigger or something. I'm telling you, man, he's gonna say something crazy. I'm with it. But anyway, I'm I ain't mean they ain't go all like that, man, but all right. We're looking to we're looking into the NBA's big three. Well, I won't say the NBA's big three, but um Ice Cube started the big three basketball league, which is a three on three uh three on three league founded by Cube and it features former NBA players. Uh, the first week was a resounding success as they sold out the Barclays Center for six games. Um it's not quite NBA basketball with just just fewer players. What it is, it's eight teams uh, right now that are made up of of former players. Uh, of course, half court games, fourteen second shot clocks, and you know you got to have your clear outs and four point uh, four point circles that you know you get four points for for a shot, and free throws can be worth uh, one can be worth two, three, or four points depending on the situation. Um, it kind of brings back the blacktop street basketball, but inside of arenas. Uh, I think that the uh, if they real if they if the big three can figure out time, how long do they want to play the games? Uh, they may take it down to a first to fifty, and maybe bring halftime down from thirty minutes to twenty five minutes. Uh, I think that this league does have a chance. Of course, bottom line is you're depending on ticket sales, and then you've got to get into the advertising because you've got to be able to sell the league to outside advertising to uh, keep it going. Um, I, I think it's got a chance because people like three-on-three. Three-on-three has actually been adopted as an Olympic sport. Uh, people are going to People are going to play, and I think that playing three-on-three and having a league of three-on-three can kind of bring a little bit of the outside basketball and a lot of, and a lot of fans to introduce the basketball with the three-on-three style because, you know, you couldn't get to the gym or you, you didn't have a full court outside your house. So I think a lot of fans will relate to it. They'll, they'll feel like being kids again. And with the high talent, high-level talent that's on the court, uh, they're going to see probably the best of it. So I really hope that the Big Three League uh, does well. I mean, I'm, I'm a long-time supporter of Cube and his, his ventures, but I think he has the right people behind it. And actually, there have already been play, uh, other retired players that have spoken out in favor of not only the league itself, but actually playing in the league. So you're going to see even bigger names as – as players retire and other players step up, uh, you're going to see more teams. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. For that's so Jesse, Tobias Wilborn, and myself, Tyler Ball. Just want to send a birthday shout out to our co-host, Don DeLaRente, who's out celebrating. Uh, of course, he'll be back on one of his three shows on the CSPN, Hardest Working Man in our, in our show business. So thanks for all you do, Don. For Jesse, for Tobias, for our producer, and for myself, now you know the score. That's right.